History Podcast. I'm Allison. And I'm Rachel. Welcome to episode 61, where we're going to talk about Area 51. Um, so it's been a while since I've been like back in, and Rachel, you remember her from prior episodes, mostly on New Orleans. Um, so George had some issues with his <laughs> homeownership. Congratulations. Welcome to homeownership. Um, we had a really bad storm. Did it get bad up by you guys Friday? It did. It did for a second, but you know, we just hung out in the bathroom for a little bit. Yeah. And we were fine. <laughs> yeah. So we had a really bad storm come through on Friday and, um, it knocked out the power to his house. And I guess like he just got power. So today's Sunday, this happened on Friday and he just now like really recently got his power back on i didn't realize people had power out for that long around here we we had power out for like literally 35 seconds (laughs) yeah yeah our our lights flickered so jordan and i live probably about like 15 20 minutes away from each other just depending on traffic and um the lights flickered once and we had a tornado warning so we went down the basement and um and luckily like two blocks away from us is like there's a speedway and like a mcdonald's and everything and all of that lost pet like all of the lights everything lost power so they didn't come on until around noon today so they we didn't have traffic lights or anything there was a real bad accident because people just are dumb and they don't like know how to deal with things when they're not working properly right Um, and um, and there was a really bad accident where somebody like t-boned somebody because they I didn't attention. I did not realize south of town was out of power for so long. Yeah, well, so and I hope I'm not oversharing because it's not my story to share, but I'm gonna say it anyway. They have a transformer in the back of their house, like in their yard, and I guess like the transformer caught on fire. Oh my And was like bursting into flames and they called the power company and they, I'm sure were busy with other things. Mm-hmm. So they ended up having to call, call the fire department and oh try to <laughs> put this, I mean, what a sight to see. Like in their backyard? Yeah. Like in their fenced in <laughs> backyard. <laughs> oh no. Uh, they sh- they should have called me out of Brock S'mores and we could have had a real good time. But, um, oh my gosh, that's crazy. <laughs> So, so yeah, so Rachel, uh, thank you for stepping in and going forward, things will be back to normal. I was traveling a lot and George was, you know, moving, but he's kind of gotten everything set up. So this one was on me, uh, with traveling and things like that. So we should be back in business next week, hopefully, um, as long as there are no tornadoes were, you know, accidental bad weather. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so real quick, um, I'm really excited to be back. I really missed doing the podcast and I feel like just a piece of my heart was missing while I wasn't able to do it. Um, so while I was 
traveling. I've been to Gatlinburg. We went to Florida. Um, and I just want to say that um, one of our listeners actually hooked me up with some tickets to Alcatraz East Museum in Gatlinburg. And I shared some of that on the um, Instagram page, pictures of, you know, some of the cool stuff. If you're ever in the Gatlinburg area, I highly recommend going to visit that museum. They have so much stuff. Like, so we had to take Evie, who's six, because we... <laughs> she <you> know, was there. <laughs> yeah, she was there. And we were on our way home, actually, whenever we stopped there. Um, and so she was probably the youngest kid there at that time. Um, and she was, she's probably the only child still who knows about death masks and, (laughs) um, (laughs) that kind of thing. So I tried to shield her so I didn't wait, you know, give her nightmares, but I, I'm trying to train her to be, you know, take over the podcast when I retire. I think that's important. (laughs) It is. Yeah. Pass it on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I just want to say, I mean, there was OJ's car there. There was, they were having a exhibit where it was Ted Bundy's beetle, where he got arrested. Uh, the last one that, that he drove in was there. Um, they have, they have so many different exhibits. It is very well done. Uh, a lot of knowledge to be gained, a lot of artifacts. Um, so I, I highly suggest going there if you're able to. And then, Sounds cool. uh, And then my last thing I wanted to discuss real quick is um, our friends at Kilgannon Creations with a K and a K. um, She made me a Mombi shirt, which um, I've also posted on the Instagram page. Please go buy her stuff. She is amazing. Her clothes are great quality. She's got that fun, quirky stuff that, that we all love to look at and buy. Um, so she has an Etsy shop and she also has an Instagram. Her um, Etsy shop is etsy.com backslash shop backslash Kilgannon Creations. And it's K-I-L-G-A-N-N-O-N. And Creations is spelled with the K. So um, be sure to, to go love all of her things because she's amazing. And, um, and I really appreciate that. I got to wear that in Gatlinburg um, and I, I loved it. So anyway. Let's talk. So this episode was um, was suggested to us by actually my daughter's first grade teacher. So shout out to Mr. Elias. Thank you very much for uh, requesting this. I hope I do it justice. We do it justice for you. Um, so let's go ahead and, and sit back, relax, and dive into Area 51, shall we? Let's. So... We've all heard about it, but what is it really? So Area 51 is a highly classified U.S. Air Force base that is in the Nevada Test and Training Range. The United States Air Force got the site in 1955 for flight testing, the Lockheed U-2 aircraft. So it is administered by Edwards Air Force Base that is in Southern California. and. Area 51 is located in the southern portion of Nevada, about 83 miles north-northwest from Las Vegas. So so we need to go to Vegas, and then we need to get a car and go there. We should, but I don't even want to go to Las Vegas. I do not want to gamble, but I would love to go out here just to see what's going on. So how you do it is you go to the penny slots. And you play like 
a penny <laughs> and they will bring you drinks as long as you're sitting in a seat for free. Okay. You know how so, much I hate losing money. I hate going gambling around here. But <laughs> it makes but me I also, so mad. <laughs> I also know how much you enjoy drinking. Yes. So you got to take one with the other. And All right. go visit this. Am I selling it? Uh, yeah, I, I could do this. This sounds good. <laughs> and okay. what else is in Las Vegas? Zach Baggins. Yeah, his, haunted his little museum. haunted museum is out there. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. We don't even need to gamble. We could go see the lions or the tigers or whatever. And then we could go to Zach Baggins. I'm sure he'd love to see us. I'm sure he would. And then we'll go out here. See? Yeah. Deal. No gambling required girls weekend. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. And they can have buffets. I, I, mm, I, you know, I don't like buffets, Allison. <laughs> You're always trying to drag me to the buffets. <laughs> we'll have to hit one buffet, at least just one. All right, I'll buy and then into I'll one. Like I won. I won, and I won. I and will go to it. at least one for you. It's a deal. All right. So <laughs> the area in general is a popular tourist destination, and then there's a small town named Rachel. What a good name. It is the best name. (laughs) So that's located on the extraterrestrial highway. The original part of the base, which is six by 10 mile rectangle, is known as the groom box. That is now 23 by 25 miles of restricted airspace. So explain to me what that means. It was a six by 10 mile. And then does that mean up? So it was it was originally in 1955 the six by ten mile rectangle, but then since then they've expanded a lot. Wow. Yeah, like a lot. Questionable. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this base is near Groom Lake, which is a salt flat, and it's near the Yucca Mountain Nuclear Waste Respiratory. And how, how convenient. Oh, well, yeah. What a great space. Somewhere <laughs> to dump all of your trash. Right. <laughs> so the respiratory is used to bury spent nuclear fuel and other high-level radioactive waste. And details of Area 51 are not made known to the public, but the United States Air Force says that it is an open training range that is also used to test and experiment with aircrafts and weapons. The United States Air Force got the site in 1955 for flight testing the Lockheed UT aircraft. Mm. The truth is out there. Well, that's like really old. Yeah, I I wasn't aware that it was so old. Like I didn't know that we had it in 1955. Neither. I didn't think that this I thought was, it was a like thing until like yeah, like recent ish. Yeah. Well, eighties. Feels recent to us, maybe not to everyone, but and maybe maybe that's where we got it because we're, you know, in our thirties, and maybe that's when we, you know, just assume that eighties is old, which it's not anymore because now we're old. Yeah, everything is born when we are born, right? right. <laughs> but the fifties seems really old. Lots mm-hmm. of history there. Yep. So no one really knows where the Area 51 name came from, but it is believed to be from the Atomic Energy Commission 
numbering grid. So basically they just go one, two, three, four, and then, you, you know, you get to 51. So um, since area 51 is next to area 15, it doesn't really make sense that that would be the case because you'd think it would be area 16, which doesn't have the same ring to it. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, others believe that Area 51 was used because it was not likely that the AEC would need to use that high of a number um, because typically they don't go that high. They're not that big. Mm-hmm. So the correct name for the CIA for the base is Homi Airport and Groom Lake, even though the CIA document from the Vietnam War referenced it as Area 51. So what are you doing, the CIA? What are you telling us? Um, other nicknames used is Dreamland and Paradise Ranch. The U.S. Air Force Public Relations refer it to it as an operating location near Groom Dry Lake. The airspace around the field is referred to as Restricted Area 4808 North. So they don't even call it Area 51. No. No, they're not. We'll get into it more, but it's a part of this Air Force base, but then it's not. And then it's a part of this lake. And then it's, you know, so they try to jumble you up a little bit. So nobody really knows what's going on. What it is. Yeah. Okay. So in 1864, lead and silver were discovered in the southern part of the Groom Range. The English company Groom Lead Mines Limited financed the conception mines in the 1870s, given the restrict, giving the district its name. J.B. Or- Osborne and Partners bought the controlling interest in Groom in 1876, and Osborne's son received received it in the 1890s. Sorry, my reading is questionable. <laughs> Mines continued until 1918 and then resumed after World War II until the early 50s. The airfield on Groom Lake began service in the ni- in 1942 as Indian Springs Air Force Auxiliary Field and had two unpaved 5,000-foot runways. Could you imagine landing on a air a landing strip that was not paved no and also there's mines under it yeah i mean none of this really seems safe to me but who put who puts mines underneath runways i feel like then that's how they collapse correct and well well, yeah (laughs) i mean i have a lot of questions about this (laughs) planes planes are heavy i don't know much but i know that seems like not a good place right (laughs) Um, So, in April 1955, the CIA created the Groom Lake Test Facility for Project Aquatone, which was for the development of the Lockheed U-2 strategic reconnaissance aircraft. This aircraft needed to fly 70,000 feet in the air, travel 300-plus miles without needing to refuel, and carry at least 700 pounds of cargo. This project had a budget of around $22 million, which is a lot. But today, that would be about $207 million, which is more. Which is more. (laughs) Yes. Because of the secrecy of the flight test and pilot training program, 
They could not be conducted at Edwards Air Force Base or Lockheed's Palmdale facility. So he started researching for a suitable site that they could test these planes out. He notified Lockheed when um, who sent an inspection team out to Groom Lake. And this is a quote from Kelly Johnson, who was doing all this you know, research to try to find some place. He said, we flew over it, and within 30 seconds, you knew that was the place. It was right by a dry lake. Man alive, we looked at that lake, and we all looked at each other. It was another Edwards, so we wheeled around, landed on that lake, taxied up to one end of it. It was perfect, natural landing field, as smooth as a billiard table without anything being done to it. Hmm. So So they found it just by flying around. It was natural. Yep. And then it says mountain ranges protected the site from visitors and the lake bed made a great strip for testing aircrafts. The CIA asked the AEC to buy the land, designated Area 51 on the map, and add it to the Nevada test site. So Johnson named the area Paradise Punch to try to persuade workers to move to the new facility in the middle of nowhere. And the name quickly shortened to the ranch. Because it was not paradise. So he tried to name it paradise just to get people to go there. That's pretty smart. <laughs> That's pretty smart. Well, sure. I mean, That's paradise. a selling factor. <laughs> it sounds nice. Paradise. It <laughs> so it sounds like they found somewhere that just was naturally made and yep. was also very bordered off naturally. Yeah. Yep. Secluded yeah. so nobody could like take a look and. Even though they had $22 million, I guess they didn't want to have to level a bunch of shit. They just, you know, it was all natural. Sure. So May 4th, 1955, a survey team arrived at Groom Lake and laid out the 5,000-foot north-south runway on the southwest corner of the lake bed and designated a site for a base support facility. The ranch initially consisted of a few shelters, workshops, and trailer homes to house a small team. So whenever you think of Paradise Ranch, do you think of trailer homes? Well, not really, but I guess if they just found somewhere in the middle of nowhere that's like (laughs) in between mountains, I mean, what do you expect? Right. (laughs) Uh, Trailers probably were paradise. (laughs) Probably, yeah. So as long as they had air conditioning. (laughs) Doubtful. (laughs) Yeah. Damn. So so three months later, the base consisted of a single paved runway, three hangars, a control tower, and rugged accommodations for test personnel. It did have a movie theater, which is good, a volleyball court, a mess hall, water wells, and fuel storage tanks. (laughs) Hold on. Rugged, rugged accommodations. It had a movie theater. That's pretty freaking sweet. <laughs> That's fancy. That is fancy. It's probably that is like, not rugged. <laughs> but think about it. It's probably like a piece, a poster board with, you know what I mean? Like a lawn chair in front of it. And that's we, their movie theater. We need to find pictures of whatever they were calling a movie theater right. <laughs> at this point. I need to know what's going on in there. Yeah. What does a rugged movie theater look like? <laughs> so July 1955, CIA Air Force and Lockheed personnel began to arrive at the ranch. 
It received its first U2 delivery on July 24th along with Lockheed technicians. Regular military air transport service flights were set up between Area 51 and Lockheed's offices in Burbank, California. Personnel flew into Nevada on Monday and returned to California on Friday. So at least they didn't have to spend the weekends there, I guess. I mean, if it's really that terrible and rugged, at least you had some sort of break from that. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> That's pretty crazy to like have to fly in to. I know. Work. I think about family stuff because I know people that have done that, and that just seems like hard unsustainable (laughs) yeah yeah for long periods of time for sure yeah so project oxcart was established in august of 1959 for anti-radar studies um aerodynamic structural tests and engineering designs in september 1960 they started construction on a new facility including an 8500 foot runway to replace the existing one this is said to be where Area 51 got its official slash unofficial name. Is during this time. Anti-radar studies? Yep. In 1959. Was that when we were having trouble with Russia? Yeah, I think a lot of it. Was well, that like, like Cold War time? Yes. Okay. So, and you know, America always has to be number one. Um, oh, obviously. <laughs> and we'll get into some of the things that they did. We'll talk about. Okay. <laughs> so this timing seems interesting. Proceeding. Yes. October 1960, Reynolds Electrical and Engineering Company began construction on the new facilities, building a 10,000-foot runway. They placed a Archimedean spiral, big spiral, in the dry lake, two miles wide, so pilots could see it. The Area 51 pilots called this the hook. By August 1961, construction of the key buildings were in place that included three surplus Navy hangars. Old buildings were repaired and additional ones were added as needed. A reservoir pond surrounded by trees were used by personnel for recreation. They also had a gym, that probably same old movie theater, a baseball and a baseball diamond. A permanent aircraft fuel tank farm was built in early 1962 for the special JP-7 fuel that was required for the A-12 planes. Seven tanks were built with a total capacity of, help me with this number. One million. (laughs) One million, 320 gallons. Thousand gallons. That's a lot. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) That is a lot of uh, of tank fuel. Yeah, lots of fuel going on there. In January 1962, the FAA expanded the restricted airspace around Groom Lake, and the lake bed became the center of a 600-square-mile addition to the restricted area. So basically, they just keep on growing and growing this area. Yep, they keep on just pushing it out. The CIA facility received several planes for training, cargo transport, admin purposes, and search and rescue. So the first A-12 aircraft was trucked from Burbank on February 26, 1962, and arrived on Groom Lake on February 28th. 
Its first flight was on April 26, 1962, when the base had grown to 1,000 personnel. Groom was also the site of the Lockheed D-21 drone test flight on December 22, 1964. By the end of, the ni- of 1963, nine A-12s were at Area 51, operated by the 1,129th Special Activities Squadron. So these are all just like specialty planes that they are testing. Pretty much. And that's always been, spoiler alert, what they say whenever people say that they see UFO activity or whatever the case may be, is that that's what they're doing special stuff. Right. Like they are testing planes. So you might see weird stuff that you haven't seen before where things stop or hover or whatever the case may be. Mm Mm-hmm. So, between 1964 and 1965, during the D-21 tag board trials, there were many technical difficulties. On March 5, 1966, they launched their first D-21. It was a successful flight, and the drone flew 1,200 miles, reaching Mach 3.3 and 90,000 feet. I'm not going to lie. Is that fast? Is that I high? feel like... I don't know. I feel like... <laughs> I don't know. Isn't it like Mach 1 is like super fast? Like, I feel like Mach 3 is faster. I feel like (laughs) if it's worth mentioning, it's probably pretty fast. (laughs) I think I would not like that going Mach 3. You'd probably throw up. (laughs) Based based on our experiences together in life, (laughs) you would probably barf. And and that 90,000 feet thing, don't sign me up for that either. I don't like that. That doesn't sound great. <laughs> this sounds like hell on earth to me, actually. Except for the movie and this theater is, part. I can get through is, that. <laughs> this is 1966. So imagine where they're at now. <laughs> right, yeah. Like Mach 25. No. <laughs> Not on my watch. <laughs> no. So on July 30th, 1966, an accident occurred when a fully fueled D-21 failed to start properly after launch and it collided with an M-21 launch craft. Two crewmen were ejected and landed in the ocean 150 miles offshore. One crew member was picked up by helicopter, but the others... um, the other, while he survived the ejection, actually drowned when seawater entered his pressure suit, which I'm sure just, like, sunk him like a rock. That's terrifying. Mm-hmm. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. Not good. Um, Kelly personally canceled the entire D-21 program. While they had already created several D-21s, they used them as B-52 bombers instead of just scrapping them all together. So they just, like, restructured everything. Yep, yep. Instead of getting rid of it, they just remade them them into into something else. Yep. Okay. So, August 1966, Iraqi Air Force fighter pilot Captain Munir Redfa dejected while flying his MIG-21 to Israel after being ordered to attack Iraqi Kurd villages with napalm. His aircraft was transferred to Groom Lake in late 1967, and Project Have Donut commenced. They evaluated performance, technical, and operational capabilities of the plane. 
Tess concluded the skill of the man in the cockpit was what made the difference. It had nothing to do with the plane itself. It was about the pilot pushing the plane to its limits and knowing how to maneuver. Which I think is probably the case in a lot of things. Like like, like all of the things currently, right. I feel like. So they were just thinking that Iraq had something ahead of them, but really it was just, you know, they just needed pilots that were willing to do what it takes yeah push all of the limits it has everything to do with the manpower and the man choices people people choices right yeah as opposed to the plane yep uh in august 1968 two syrian air force lieutenants took off with a pair of mig 17 f's on a training mission. They lost their way through. I'm sorry. If you can hear my <laughs> I can, child. I can definitely hear your child. <laughs> she just broadcast uh, from the speakers to all the Googles. So enjoy that. Little she just tidbit. wants you all to know what's up. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I don't even know where I was. Um, they lost their way. Um. Mm-hmm. When they were flying over Lebanon, um, because they thought they were flying over Lebanon, but they actually landed at the Bedsit landing field in northern I- Israel. Uh, these planes were transferred to Area 51 to be tested under Project Have Drill. Testing concluded that the plane had a simple control system, and the engines on F-4s were so powerful that they would outrun the guns on a, a MiG-17. Okay, so again, does that just mean that the people flying them were better? I well, this one says that the control system, the engines were more powerful. So this one might have been a little, you know. Okay, so this one's saying the plane is better. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Okay, so everything that was learned from Project Have Donut and Have Drill were taken to Top Gun School at NAS Miramar for training. Um, During the Vietnam War, the Navy kill ratio climbed to 8.33 to 1. I don't know how that works, how you 0.33 kill someone, (laughs) but but the Navy's doing it. Uh, But the Air Force rate only improved slightly to 2.83 from one. The real difference was that Top Gun training that they had with the Have Donut and Have Drill. So the Navy had used it and the Air Force did not make their pilots go to these trainings. So what? Yeah. And so that's interesting. You would think like across the board, if this is so special that they would want all of the branches to be going through this. Well, it sounds like... Well, they probably didn't know how special it was until after the fact, but... Well, and whenever I think of, like, Top Gun, like, I think of the movie. Yeah. (laughs) And then I think of the volleyball scene, because we do that. And then I think about the fact that they're probably... I don't know if this is true or not, but I always associate planes with the Air Force, not the Navy. Right. Well, it's not... That's not true. And so, yeah, so I would, I would have assumed that the Navy wouldn't have been the one to take it and it would have been the Air Force, but I mean, every branch flies planes, so. Right. 
And it sounds like they didn't know how important it was until after the fact. So, like, that makes sense. Yep. But, yeah, all of the branches have have planes. <laughs> so, <laughs> in you May 19th. <laughs> right. You, you learn, learn something, something new every, every day. day. I know. <laughs> don't you? In May 1973, Have Donut and Have Drill were replaced with Project Have Idea. And the project was transferred to the... Tanopa Test Range Airport to continue testing of foreign technology aircrafts. This expanded throughout the 70s and the 80s. In 1977, the Air Force began funding improvements to Area 51 under Project SCORE event. In December 1977, Area 51 started working on the Lockheed Have Blue prototype stealth fighter, which was a smaller adaption of the F-117 Nighthawk. Throughout the years, more fighter jets were tested at Area 51 to improve and perfect. So this is a long one. That's a jump, but this is a jump in time. Oh, yeah, it is. So, yeah. Okay. So we were just in December 1977. Okay. Now, buckle up, Buttercup, because we're going to 1994. Okay, Mm -hmm. so Area 51 was, and this is a timeline. You guys know how I like timelines. They just make more sense to me. Um, So apparently, and I'm sure this is not true, but nothing happened between 77 and 94. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was just chilling. (laughs) So so don't even worry about that because nothing happened. (laughs) No time. Nothing, Nothing going on here. No, no way. So in, in 1994, Area 51 was involved in a lawsuit where five unnamed civilian contracts and the widow contractors and the widows of those contractors, Walter Kaza and Robert Frost, sued the Air Force and the United States Environmental Protection Agency. Okay. They claimed that they had been present when large quantities of unknown chemicals had been burned in open pits and trenches at Groom. That sounds legit. (laughs) I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Of course they did. (laughs) Sure they did. Um, Rutgers University biochemists analyzed biopsies from the civilians and found high levels of doxine, I'm saying these wrong, dibenzofran, dioxin, dibenzofran, and trichelethylene in their body fat. Those are bad, okay? Because they do. Um, Because of these chemicals, the civilians claimed they sustained skin, liver, and respiratory injuries due to their work at Groom, and it actually contributed to the death of Frost and Kaza. They sought compensation for injuries, claiming that the Air Force illegally handled toxic materials and that the EPA failed to enforce the Resource Conservation and Recovery Act, which governs the handling of dangerous materials. They also wanted to know details about the chemicals so that they could get medical treatment, so they didn't end up like, you know, like frost. The men that died? (laughs) Yeah, like, yeah. Let me know what I need to do. (laughs) Right. I feel like the least they could do is do that for these guys. Um, so the, the government invoked the state secrets privilege and asked U.S. District Judge Philip Pro to disallow disclosure of classified documents 
or examination of secret witnesses claiming it would expose classified information and actually threaten national security. Judge mm. Pro, yeah, Judge Pro rejected the government's argument. So President Bill Clinton issued a presidential determination exempting the Air Force operation location near Groom Lake, Nevada from environmental disclosure laws. That's kind of a dick move. Mm. They tried to appeal the determination, saying that the government was abusing its power to classify material. The appeal was rejected, like you would assume it would be, uh, and it ended the case. Annually, the president issues a determination continuing that groom is accept- exempt from, um, from you know all of that. And it's the only formal recognition the government had given to Groom Lake at that time. Oh, why? So that's the only, because these guys. Questionable. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, like you hear so much stuff about like the government and, and I don't, I know nothing, but why wouldn't they have just like assassinated these folks and made it go away? Because, you know, they've done that before. Yeah, they've done that before. Hmm. I don't know why they haven't done that now. I mean, I'm glad because these poor guys. Well, sure. But, I mean, I feel like that way then they wouldn't have to, like, say that they... Would that be too obvious? Would that be too obvious? I feel like all of it's real obvious. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I feel like, like this means something not good is happening there. If you're yeah. that secretive. But would it be more obvious if they just killed everybody? <laughs> I mean, you would probably Slightly. notice <laughs> people, Slightly yeah, the population declining very significantly. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like people would be like, what's up? Everybody that was involved in this died. But it's a little bit less obvious if... You're just like, oh, every year the president's like, it's cool. You can't ask questions. Right. They can do whatever they want. Yeah. It's so slightly less obvious, but still obvious. And those guys are still screwed. I mean, really. That's the moral. Yeah. Well, these people are all going to die from cancer, is what I hear. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, they're dumping a bunch of bullshit up into the ground, and some people died. And you're like, hey, can you please tell me? what you just dumped that killed my husband so I can get treatment. Right. No, well, no, 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 I, I cannot. <laughs> I feel like the least, so there are millions of people out there that are government employees and yes. millions of people, probably not millions, but like thousands that have probably secret security clearance mm-hmm. to be able to like, you know, keep the nation's secrets. and. Why couldn't they have, and maybe they did, and we just don't know because they didn't say, but why couldn't they have just told these guys, like, here? Or or it would have all gone away if they would have just been like, I'll, we'll help you, we'll facilitate your medical treatment, or whatever the case may be. But that might be, like, an admission of some sort of guilt. It is, yeah. I mean, the admission of guilt is, like, the reason why nothing ever happens that should like if you help somebody all of a sudden you're guilty so i feel like though from the outside looking in i feel like you're more guilty if you have the president say that they don't have to follow the rules 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Well, yeah, but there's no omission of guilt in right. that. They're just excluding them, essentially. It's just um, interesting that to this day that is happening when other things have happened, which I'm sure we'll get to. I yes. know we'll get to because I read the notes. So that's just interesting. All it right. Those poor guys, you know? Yeah. I'm, well, I'm waiting in the notes to see if they died because I don't remember reading that part. But like you would think that they'd probably be dead if they got yeah. exposed to whatever secret shit these two guys got exposed to. Right. Ugh, that's terrible. So, yeah, it's not good. So, in 1995, the federal government expanded the exclusionary area around the base to include the mountains. Mm. <laughs> so, that includes the only decent overlook of the base from the mountains. This prohibited access to an additional 3,972 acres of land. So, like, it started out a little baby square, and it has turned into, like, an entire country. (laughs) Pretty much. I mean, yeah, like its own state, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. All of our secrets are super secrets. (laughs) (laughs) You can't look at them from the mountains. (laughs) No, you cannot. In 2006... Again, we jumped mm-hmm. pretty far. So nothing happened. <laughs> yeah, not a not a thing. Just believe me when I say <laughs> nothing happened. Uh, Dwayne Day published Astronauts in Area 51, the Skylab incident, in the magazine The Space Review. It was based on a memo written in 1974 to CIA Director William Colby by an unknown CIA official. The memo reports that astronauts on board, uh, on board Skylab had photographed a certain location, but the name of where was obscured. And Day believes that this area was Area 51. So, hmm. okay. dun, dun, dun. Is, what is Skylab? Is that the. I don't know what the Skylab space is. station? Was. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Okay, well, we'll Google later. So, in December 2007, airline pilots noticed that the Homey Airport, as KXTA, appeared in the latest update in the Jepson database revision. The Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association made a statement that student pilots should be warned about KXTA and that they should never fly there. Wouldn't that be a bitch? Like, hey, mom, I just got my pilot's license. I'm going to go fly around. And then you're dumb and you don't know that KXTA is Area 51. And you just Mm. go into, and they probably shoot your ass down. Yeah, that would be scary. I mean, I feel like that was a major boo-boo for them to add this Mm -hmm. to this update. (laughs) And I feel like if you're the government... You could take that off there. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I feel yeah. like it's yeah. just, just a mistake. <laughs> yeah, they just need to get that mm-hmm. out of there. Definitely. On, on June twenty fifth, two thousand thirteen, the CIA publicly acknowledged the existence of the base for the first time, due to a Freedom of Information Act requested uh, request that was filed in two thousand five. Due to this act, they declassified documents detailing the history and purpose of Area 51. 
which is how we know all of this stuff that we just told you. Mm -hmm. Uh, This includes the official history of the U2 and Oxcart projects. So, yeah. So, I mean, eight years ago, we wouldn't have been able to do this episode because we had no idea what was going on. It would just have, it would just have been a whole lot of, I don't know. And like, this is what I think happened, but I know nothing. Right. So October 22nd, 2015, a federal judge signed an order giving the land that belonged to a Nevada family since the 1870s to the United States Air Force to expand Area 51. The judge said that the land that overlooked the base was taken to address security and safety concerns with training and testing. So basically just like whatever little corner that was left that anybody could see anything from, they were like, okay, let's go ahead and snag that. And I'm willing to bet that they didn't pay these people. Like they just commandeered it. Like it's mine. I mean, I don't know how that works. Maybe they gave them money, but not whatever. Whatever your land is worth, if you can see some government secrets going on, it's worth like five billion times more. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, they didn't pay them that. <laughs> no. And like sure. 18, in the eighteen seventies, like that's how long they've had it. Like that would be really sad if somebody took your you know your, what your familial family. land yeah. yeah that's a bummer it is that's a bummer all right so let's talk about security obviously they don't need it because they own all everything yeah they <laughs> they stole literally all the land yep <laughs> so the perimeter of the base is marked by orange posts and patrolled by guards in white pickup trucks and camouflage fatigue the guards are popularly refer- referred to as camo dudes, which, yeah, I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's by Area 51 nerds. So it's those What's guys an Area are. 51 nerd? I mean, I'm going to say we're Area 51 nerds. Because I don't, I don't know if I'd go that far. Probably, probably <laughs> not. They're the ones who know it know everything about everything and are on a government watch list i'm sure yeah i feel like you have to do some nerding to gain that title (laughs) the guards if you ask them anything won't talk to you or answer any questions uh, about their employers but some believe that they're actually not air force employees they're just contractors Hmm. signs around the base advise that deadly force is authorized against trespassers so they will shoot you technology of course is used heavily throughout the base and its borders this includes surveillance cameras and motion detectors i couldn't imagine in the desert like a snake like that would be so irritating (laughs) like it's midnight you're just wanting to just relax and these damn sensors are going off because lizards are running around or you know what i mean (laughs) like i just feel like just all of the animals (laughs) Yeah, like all the desert things just going at at it. Um, So some of the motion detectors are placed pretty far away from the base, actually on public land, and that's to give the guards enough time to know that somebody's coming. Which makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that's smart. So January 2019, an unidentified man drove through a security checkpoint near Mercury, Nevada, in an attempt to enter the base. 
After an eight-mile vehicle pursuit by base security, the man exited the vehicle carrying a cylindrical object and was shot dead by security officers and sheriff's deputies after refusing to obey their requests. Is that all the information we have? Yeah, I wish I knew what was that cylindrical object, like if it was a bomb or whatever. Um, We don't know the person's name. Did they not say? Probably not. I'm sure. Oh, my gosh. I feel, though, that if you're doing, like, you knew what you were doing. Mm -hmm. You you knew what you were doing. So don't do that. He just wanted to see what was up. I'm sure he just wanted some pictures, a selfie, and... I don't know. Shit went down. A a bad choice all around. But I'm kind of surprised that they haven't, like, released the person's name. They release everybody's name. Not at Area 51. Apparently You gotta wait, wait like, 22 years until... We'll do a follow-up episode. (laughs) I'll put it in my... my, (laughs) I'll put it in my calendar. And (laughs) when they release this person's name... (laughs) We'll get we more will, info. <laughs> right. We will do an update because you want to know and we want to know too. I want to know. I think it's weird that they didn't say. <laughs> and I mean, that was recent. 2019. That's not recent. That's not recent in terms yeah. of releasing people's no. names. No. But I mean, like, <laughs> we're in 2021. That was like very, very not a long time ago. Yeah, that was okay. So yes, that was not a long time ago, especially since we like completely lost a year in between yeah, there, where right, people weren't so going good. places. Yeah, so this was right before. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nobody's gonna want to get near no. you. <laughs> um, okay, <laughs> let's talk about conspiracy theories. Let's. What? So whenever you think of Area Fifty One, what aliens? Aliens, me too. Me too. I yeah. think of X Files. Oh, uh, not X Files. I think of Independence Day. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> yeah. Did, did they even go to Area Fifty One in Independence? I don't. Day? I don't know. But when they show him the aliens, that always th- makes me think like that would be Area Fifty One. Like if the president was like, "Let me see your aliens," they would take him out to Area Fifty One, and here's the aliens. Like so, I don't know. So whenever you think of aliens, do you think of like Mars attacked aliens or do you think of like mm-hmm. the, the green take me to your leader or do you think like ET or what do you, what's your alien? Mm, Independence Day aliens. <laughs> so like they're angry and they're non non English, they want to kill us. Yeah. Freaking slimy sticky things. <laughs> what's yeah. that uh what's that movie that um oh what's his name? The guy who laughs, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and normally, I know exactly what you're talking about. But Pineapple I don't Express. Worry. Pineapple Express. That's Rogan. Yes, that's Rogan. He was in a movie where he played. He wasn't in it. It was his voice, and he voiced an alien. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Uh, I I haven't seen it, but I know what you're talking about because the little kids movie. I mean, it's not, like, super little kids. It's, like, PG-14, 13. (laughs) I don't know. But that is kind of what I hope it to be. (laughs) Tell me more about it. Have you seen the movie with Amy Adams with the aliens where she's, like, the the linguist? Is that the right word? She's, like, a language person. 
Have you no. seen that? <gasps> it's pretty good. You should see it. I can't remember what it's called. Google Amy Adams. Well, it's I really good. Seen, I've never seen the fourth kind either. Have you ever seen Oh, that? no. But I, well, here's the thing. So, like, post having children, I've been like very touchy on scary movies because I can't Same. handle that shit. Mm-hmm. Like, pr- like as I've gotten older, I haven't been able to handle that shit. But definitely, after having children, I can't deal with it. So, like, I'm still hyping myself up right now to watch The Conjuring, the third Same. one. Have you watched it? No. Because we should I'm- get together and watch it. <laughs> Because I'm the same ever since. Like, I could watch old movies, I've like, old scary movies I've seen sure. all day long. Like, whatever. Right. It's fine. Like, Scream, I could go to sleep watching that. That's, like, my yeah. safe movie. It makes me feel safe. That's but fine. I was going through HBO whenever I started watching The Mirror of East Town. It's on there for free. It is. And it was like 1230 and I'm by myself sitting in my couch and I'm like, I don't think I can do it right now. Nope. (laughs) Nope. Nope. So we should definitely do that. Girls night because I was thinking about it and like the movies that have scared me the most in the last, like, I don't know, 10 years, whatever is insidious. That scared the shit out of me. But Mm. even worse than that was the first conjuring, which at this point, I can't even remember what happens in that movie, but I do remember that I watched it and then I stayed awake for literally three days. (laughs) And then you and I went to the lake with your family and we were like out in the boat drinking and out in the sun. And I finally had a good night's sleep the night we came back to that hotel. But like three nights before that, I could not sleep. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to watch this, but I've asked around and I hear that this new conjuring is not quite as scary <laughs> as the other ones and the second one i watched it and i was fine the first one i was up for three days which i guess we should probably watch that one too so i can get it like re back out of my system because obviously it scares so the we, shit out of me well we just need to have like uh all three, the we'll conjurings yeah yeah lots of popcorn hanging out yep. okay let's do it Okay. Well, now I've got anxiety. Um, so, but yeah. back to back to aliens. Oh yeah, the fourth kind. I feel like it, I've heard. I have not seen it, but I have heard it is very scary. That's what I've heard too, and it has something. I know it has something to do with owls and their eyes, or some. I don't like eyes. I don't like you looking at me. Like, don't I be like looking owls. at me, guys. I like owls too, but I could see where their eyes are freaky, and just anybody's eyes. It's like they're, mm. it's like, it's, if I'm remembering what somebody told me correctly, it's like they're, it's like a surveillance system. So like, if you have like an owl, that's like a glass thing, you know, it's looking through its eyes and watching you. Like, I don't like it. Hmm. Interesting. I might, I might be completely off base and people are screaming at me right now. But, <laughs> well, I, I can't know. tell you, but I hear it's very scary. <laughs> So, so I don't know, like, aliens have never, some people, that's like something big, you know, like they are 100% believe that this is, do you not? I don't really, this is going to sound really bad. No, no way. I don't really care that much. I, I, I find that things other things are more terrifying to me like the paranormal stuff or or things like that 
Okay, but you never, believe in aliens. I believe that we would be stupid to believe that they're not out there. Okay. You I, and I are on the same page then because agreed. I think that there are 1000% other things out there, right. but I'm less concerned about them and more concerned about demons. Right. Cuz I feel like <laughs> I feel like aliens which is ridiculous. We're ridiculous. Seems, aliens seem obvious. <laughs> Demons seem terrifying. <laughs> I mean, I've never... Okay, first off, I've never seen a demon. But I've never seen an alien either. And I feel like <laughs> the demon is closer to me than an alien. Because if I haven't seen an alien yet, I'm fine. Like, they're, they don't care about me. Just There's, probably not going to happen. They, if they, they're coming here for intelligent life, they're not going to come to me gonna first. Be me. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not going to be. Me. So I'm, I'm fine. Concerned. Yeah. yeah, I feel I feel safe in that. <laughs> so so yeah. no. So so the people out there listening, what if in your vision, what is your alien? Tell me what your alien is, because everybody has a vision, and I'm probably thinking realistically it's probably more like the predator like alien and like sigourney weaver like they're yeah probably i mean i feel that i feel like they're more intelligent and they're not interested in what we have to offer like Mm -hmm. because they haven't come with i mean like I don't know. In like an Independence Day type situation. You know, I'm what I'm just saying? gonna like, die ignorant is what's gonna happen and whatever at that point. There's no point in worrying about it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now the the demon that could be in my house somewhere, I'm worried about this. Uh, yeah, me too. I have to tell you about Lana later. Jeez. Oh, okay. Not that not that my daughter is a demon, but some I don't want to. I, I might not. I'll tell you later. It. Well, I'll just tell you later, and we'll discuss. <laughs> okay. But yes, the aliens not concerning to me at all. No. So, but so yes, we- but yes, Sigourney Weaver, Independence Day, like freaking tentacly non-English speaking yeah. beings that yeah. want to kill me is the the gist of how I feel like aliens are probably maybe not I- kill me, just. Like name unable, name well, just like <laughs> unable to um talk to kind of situations. Yeah. I feel so. like, and maybe it's something else. Like, have you ever, you know, whenever you're a kid, especially, you get these weird feelings, like the Truman Show. Like, are we all just in a big, you know, show, or are we just like in an ant farm and somebody's got the magnifying glass, like the Matrix? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so, like, I don't know, maybe aliens are just look like us, and maybe they just live on a different planet that we haven't been to yet, and they're having podcasts, too, thinking, talking okay. about us. I mean, I don't know. Who's okay, there's probably those kind of aliens, but also Sigourney the- Weaver kind of aliens. <laughs> and There's and probably all the kinds of aliens. And that's the scary part, is that just because aliens exist doesn't mean they're all one kind of alien i mean they could be all of the kinds well in in our in our earth we have humans we have you know animals we have this and this and this so i mean i'm assuming that it's like that in other areas and i'm sure that their creatures are way more terrifying than ours potentially 
But anyway, let's okay. So let's get through this. Let's talk about theories. Let's go there. Let's let's talk about what the big ones are. And I will tell you, and maybe I and I feel like I always try to do my due diligence to get these, you know, notes in order and make sure I'm giving you guys what you need. But it it, it was kind of hard to go to find the rabbit hole to travel down. Um so the conspiracy theories, the, the big ones that I was able to find is that area this is all on area 51. The storage, examination, and reverse engineering of crashed alien spacecrafts, including supposed recovered, supposedly recovered at Roswell, the study of their occupants, and the manufacture of aircrafts based on alien technology. So I will tell you, while I just said I try to do my due diligence, I forgot completely about Roswell. And I'm not well versed in Roswell. So you guys. Isn't that just like, yeah, same. Isn't that just like near Area 51? It, yeah, it is near. It's in the desert. And I know that there was a CW show about it. <laughs> That's about my oh, knowledge. That CW show isn't really fair. <laughs> and it's, and I never watched it. So I don't even have a basis for you, but I'm sure it has to do with aliens. Um, no, so another one. Either. So another one is meeting or joint undertakings with extraterrestrials. Okay. The the development of exotic energy weapons for the strategic defense initiative or other weapons programs. So in that regard, I'm thinking men in black. Like yeah, sounds like it. Yeah. Um, the development of weather control, which in itself sounds very terrifying. Well, if we had weather control, do you think we'd be having tornadoes? Probably. Maybe that's maybe that's what the population control. Is. control. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Not right the, there. The development of time travel and teleportation technology, the development of exotic propulsion systems related to the Aurora program, and I'm not really sure what that has to do with, um, activities related to a shadowy one-world government or the Majestic 12 organization, which mm-hmm. I don't know what that's about, but I'm going to start looking into it because that sounds terrifying. It also sounds fake. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So, many of these conspiracy theories are believed to take place in underground facilities at Groom or Papoose Lake, known as S4. People also claim there is a transcontinental underground railroad system and a disappearing airstrip. Hmm disappeared okay because they didn't pave it right i mean i don't know well i don't know what else would be disappearing i mean that's questionable it is all all of this stuff sounds questionable so this last thing is just saying like everybody's in on the secret like transcontinental underground railroad system what's that mean like underground we have a freaking railway system to anywhere that's In how I'm the, taking it. Like you could go to different continents underground, under the ocean, which sounds pretty cool. Well, it sounds cool, but I have questions. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's there's a lot of questions. In the mid 1950s, civilian aircraft, 
a civilian aircraft flew under 20,000 feet, while military aircraft flew under 40,000 feet. Oh, wait. This I don't long. know what that means. What does that so mean? Just Oh, okay. So, the U-2 began flying above 60,000 feet, and I hear a cat. It's Cheddar. He's very <laughs> mouthy. <laughs> And there was an increasing number of UFO sightings reported. Sightings occurred more often during early evening hours when airline pilots fly west saw the U-2 silver wings reflecting the setting sun, giving the aircraft a fiery appearance. Um, So many sighting reports came to the Air Force's Project Blue Book which investigated UFO sightings through air traffic controllers and letters to the government. The project checked U-2 and later Oxcart flight records to eliminate the majority of UFO reports that it received during the 50s and the 60s, although it could not reveal to the letter writers the truth behind what they saw. Similarly, veterans of experimental projects such as Oxcar at Area 51 agree that their work inadvertently prompted many of the UFO sightings in the rumors. So this is them trying to dispel that they, it doesn't know. It was just a reflection or whatever the case may be. Yeah. So... In the 1974 book, We Never Went to the Moon, America's $30 billion swindle, conspiracy theorist Bill Casing argues that NASA astronauts never made it to space and the footage of Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin walking on the moon was filmed in Area 51. There is a lot of people that don't believe we went to the moon. I know there is. There is a lot. Well, what do you believe? I mean, I feel like we were there. I feel, I feel like, like we were there, too. I feel like you can't think that we didn't go to the moon, but then believe aliens exist at the same time. I mean, I feel like... I, I don't know. I don't see that. I don't see that connection. Why would you think one and not the other? I mean, I could, I, why wouldn't you? Why do you feel like that? Because I feel like if aliens... I don't know. Is that dumb? I just feel like maybe because I feel like you could believe both, but like to me, I don't know the being on the moon thing. I don't know. Part of me feels like it was so important that it could be fake because well, yeah. it was yeah. so important that we were first That's that true. it could be faked, but somewhere in between, like, I don't know. Just now and then, whatever video footage or whatever things that they have found would have disproved us being there by now. You know what I mean? Because I feel like definitely by now people have been to the moon. So at some point they would have been able to disprove the first moon landing. Okay, so maybe it wasn't true. And maybe that's where, so I take it whenever you say the moon landing was fake. That we never went there. So they're just saying that the moon landing to say that we were first might have been fake. And then we've definitely gone there since then. But Mm -hmm. we just might not have been there first. So that makes more sense to me. And I I feel like we had to have been there first or else somebody would have been able to be like, hey, you definitely weren't there first. 
right? Because you said this or, or just like the pictures weren't right. The shadows weren't right or something. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause how, if we weren't there, how would we even know what kind of backdrop to film? You know what I mean? Like, right. And by now, definitely someone's been to the moon. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, so so Bob Lazar Lazar claimed in 1989 that he had worked at area 51 sector four S4 is what they called it. And it said to be located underground inside the Papoose range near Papoose Lake. And I really like that name. Papoose. 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 (laughs) He claimed that he was contracted to work with alien spacecrafts that the government had in its possession. Mm -hmm. Similarly, in the 1996 documentary Dreamland, directed by Bruce Burgess, included an interview with a 71-year-old mechanical engineer who claimed to be a former employee at Area 51 during the 50s. He claims that he worked on a flying disc simulator, which had been based on a disc originating from a crashed extraterrestrial craft and was used to train pilots. He also claimed to have worked with an extraterrestrial being named (laughs) J-Rod and and described as a telepathic translator. Okay. (laughs) J-Rod. In 2004... Dan Burrish, a pseudonym of Dan Crane, claimed to have worked on cloning aliens uh, uh, viruses at Area 51, also alongside the alien named J-Rod. Did they seriously name the alien J-Rod? I mean, I... Like, for sure. I don't know. This is all... We don't even know if J-Rod exists, but if if he did... In, like, a (laughs) 50-year age range... They're saying his name is J-Rod. Well, I tell you, the U.S. government (laughs) did J-Rod a disservice by naming him (laughs) J-Rod. Especially... Did he name himself J-Rod? Maybe. Uh, And this was during the 50s. So, like, that wasn't even cool then. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like A-Rod. Maybe he knew knew it was going to be cool. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) J-Rod knows what's up. Oh uh, so, Burch's schol- scholarly credentials are the subject of much debate, as he was apparently working at, as a Las Vegas parole officer in '89, oh, uh, while while also earning a PhD at the State University of New York. So, he, he so maybe kind of- he just read that someone said an alien's name was J Rod, and he was like, "Yeah, I know J Rod." <laughs> yeah, we all know. We need a t-shirt that says, I know J-Rod. <laughs> uh, oh, no. I mean, dang. Uh, yeah, there have, it's weird that both of them said J-Rod, but because that's definitely but not a common the name. Second, the second person could have just read that somewhere. I mean, you read it somewhere. I mean, yeah, so, his name is J-Rod. What do you want? Everybody knows his name is J-Rod. He. I don't know. Whatever. In July 2019, more than two... Is that two million? Two million people responded to a joke proposal to storm... Oh, I remember this. (laughs) 
<laughs> responded to a joke proposal to storm area 51, which appeared in an anonymous Facebook scheduled for September 20th, 2019 was billed as storm area 51. They can't stop all of us and attempt to see them aliens. Air Force spokeswoman Laura McAndrews said the government would discourage anyone from trying to come into the area where we train American armed forces. Two music festivals in rural Nevada, Alien Stock and Storm Area 51 Base Camp, were subsequently organized to capitalize on the popularity of the original Facebook event. Between 1,500 and 3,000 people showed up at the festivals, while over 150 people made the journey over several miles of rough roads to get near the Area 51 to the gates. Seven people were reportedly (laughs) arrested at the event. Okay, so it goes from 3,000 people to 150 people to seven. As suspected. Well, and we, so I've got another section of just this to talk about because it is ridiculous. Um, okay, good. <laughs> so we've got more information on this. So the Pentagon revealed in 2017 that between 2007 and 2012, longtime Nevada Senator Harry Reid ran a Department of Defense program that invested reports of flying saucers. This program cost $22 million to run, and none of the investigation work implicates or involves Area 51. What? Yeah. What a waste <laughs> of money. I know. Just give me $22 million and I promise I'll put it to good use, you know? I'll find an alien for $22 million. Yeah, J-Rod. J-Rod. <laughs> yeah, we already have his name. <laughs> Just give me $22 million oh. and we're on it. <laughs> According to one person who claims to have worked at Area 51 and saw alien technology, there was one spot he would bring people to see scheduled UFO flights, the Black Mailbox. The Black Mailbox was a regular pair of mailboxes, which was apparently a hotspot for alien activity. They are 12 miles from Area 51. The original mailbox owner was Steve Medlins, and people would tamper and destroy his mail. Madeline was forced to put another mailbox labeled alien beneath it. So visitors would use that mailbox instead of his own. (laughs) People are dumb. Like, poor guy. Wait, so it says one person who claims to have worked at Area 51. Was that Steve Medlin? (laughs) No. Steve Medlin was the owner of the mailbox. So the... Somebody that worked there. Yeah. Take people to this mailbox. Yes, and it was poor Steve Medlin, and all he wanted was his mail. And they would destroy it, those little bitches. Like, why? Aw, poor Steve. Yep. So, okay, so we talked about Rachel, Nevada. That is the closest town to Area 51. Mm -hmm. And it is along the extraterrestrial highway. In 2010, there were 54 people consisting of 32 households. And only 14 families that lived in Rachel, Nevada. Hmm. Most residents live in mobile homes. Rachel had never had a post office. And children are bused to Alamo, which is 50 miles away from the school. What? That's over an hour drive. Each way. I mean, dang. What the heck? You're dedicated to Rachel, Nevada. 
if you're sending your kids there, like all the way. Must have been beautiful. How many kids? I'm curious. I don't know, but I would assume not very many. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So the tiny town receives a lot of tourists, obviously, like us in the future, to check out a small tourist shop, a 12-room motel, and an alien-themed restaurant called the Little A... L-E-I-N-N, which is alien, (laughs) which is very smart. I like it. The Little Alien, previously the Rachel Bar and Grill, is a small bar, restaurant, and motel located in Rachel along the extraterrestrial highway. The business has been running for over 20 years, and it's frequented by visitors to the local Area 51. The businesses have a variety of Area 51 and UFO-related merchandise for sale. And maps of the area, posters, postcards, toys, and offers an alien burger. KFC put a huge logo in Rachel from 2006 to 2007 that was visible from space. And I don't know why the hell they would put that there. I mean, I'm assuming because land is cheap. But it is just a huge, like, I've Googled pictures of it. It's just a huge KFC, like KFC. Sign. Like a sign on the ground. Like, it's like a crop circle. Like, they put it in the ground so you can, an aerial view. Like, what kind of advertisement is that? I don't know. Is there even a KFC in Rachel? <laughs> in the, Where did they was, get their fried chicken? And if I was an alien and I saw that from space and, and, and I, I came there, and there was no and there's KFC. No KFC. <laughs> J-Rod was probably real pissed. He's blowing that shit up. He is. (laughs) So the inn opened circa 1989. The original owners were Joe, who is now deceased, and Pat Travis. In 1991, Joe and Pat wanted something unique for the bar and grill because they felt that Joe and Pat's was not exciting, according to patron Bruce Hooker. They held a contest won by Bruce Hooker with Alien, a play on Alien. The current owners of the little Alien are Pat and her daughter, Connie. That's adorable. Yeah. Like, I'm glad that they made it, you know? Um, I'm surprised they're able to stay open. Good for them. Yeah. In October 2020, Alien Cowpoke Gas Station and General Store opened and a campground rv hookup is set to open fall of 2021 so we can oh okay it. so there's but there's not yet no there's not a campground and rv not yet just yet no in the but fall soon. of this year yep okay all right so oh good storm area 51 In June 2019 Joe Rogan's podcast released an interview he did with Bob Lazar. Is it Lazar? I don't know. I think it's Lazar. Yeah. I remember this name. Yeah, Yeah, this name sounds familiar, but I don't know. Who we mentioned earlier, who is a cult figure in the UFO community. One of the listeners, Maddie Roberts, who is a college student from Bakersfield, California, created a joke event on Facebook called Storm Area 51. They can't stop all of us. They can, though. P.S. They can. (laughs) According to the invite, people would plan to meet in Rachel, Nevada, and on September 20th, they would swarm the area and see if the government was hiding aliens. Also, they would die. 
So within hours, the page had thousands of RSVPs, and within days, it had more than a million. The Air Force warned that if anyone participated in the raid, it would end badly for them. The FBI decided to pay a visit to Maddie Roberts. Could you imagine? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, can you? Because I feel like that's some shit you and I would do. Like, let's do this. It's Never a joke. Mind. <laughs> and then, yeah, like, and then the FBI is at your house. <laughs> Not like, good. like, fucking JK. Yeah. <laughs> My I'm bad. Just kidding. <laughs> He ended up changing his plan uh (laughs) to host a festival in the desert. He spoke to Connie West, who's the operator of the Inn and Restaurant, and Rachel, and they planned Alien Stock, a much better idea. Yeah. The Alien Research Center in Heiko, Nevada, was mad at all of these fair-weather fans on the internet and decided to host their own event the same weekend for serious UFOologists. Which I didn't even know is a real name. Well, UFOlogist. I mean, I'm down. I want that name. I want to be a UFOlogist. UFOlogist. (laughs) (laughs) So, Roberts and West continued their plan, uh, but the town of Rachel could not handle the thousands of people who RSVP'd because they can only handle, Mm. like, 34. On September... On September 10th, which is nine days before the event, Roberts backed out. He believed that West was not prepared for the flood of people that were about to come. Um, Bud Weiser actually offered to sponsor the event for free, um, an alternative alien stock event in a safe, clean venue in downtown Las Vegas. So they wanted to completely move the location, get it away from near Area 51, and put it in Las Vegas. So Roberts asked them to go there instead, which is perfect. Yeah, I mean it's for not everybody. Far. Yeah, they have the accommodations; they can handle it. It's eighty miles away. Like, go there. Budweiser's gonna get their money. Yep. Okay. And it's free for you. I mean, you know, like he, he's the one that created this event. Yeah, now. he made a mistake, and now yeah. there's a free event <laughs> to go to. Sounds great. But West refused to cancel the concert in the desert because she had already paid thousands of dollars of her own money for items for the event and told them it would happen whether anyone liked it or not. And at the end, three events took place. (laughs) So they planned for one, and three events took place because of Maddie's one Facebook event. One at Las Vegas, one in Heiko, and one in Rachel. No one stormed Area 51, but everybody got to party. Which is the most important part. I agree. And I'm glad, like, because people are dumb, especially, you know, some folks out there like, oh, yeah, they can't get us all. And then they'll go down there and they'll get shot in the face and then it'll be a video thing. So, I mean, it's really good that nobody got killed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because that could have happened. It could have, (laughs) yeah, for sure. So in April 2020, this is the current events. So, I mean, that was pretty current, but this is even current. Relatively current. Most current. Most current. In April 2020, the Defense Department released videos recorded by infrared cameras on a U.S. naval aircraft that documented the plane's encounter with some unidentified aerial phenomenon. 
Pilots reported seeing objects flying across the sky at hypersonic speeds and changing direction almost instantaneously, which planes can't do that. Congress is expected to release an unclassified report on June 25th. Delivering your fine. Yeah. Wait, what what is today? Like June 20th? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's like in five days. Yeah. Okay. So delivering their findings on the videos, they determined that a vast majority of more than 120 incidents over the past two decades did not originate from any American military, but have found no evidence that the phenomena scene were alien spacecrafts. Well, and, and what? So also just to mention so there was a, what was it, Project Blue Book, which basically was trying, the government was going to declassify a bunch of documents. And I don't know what the they declassification, did. right, and I don't know what the declassification, like, period is, like, how long they actually have to wait to do that. But they did declassify these documents. And basically, the short and sweet of it is that they do they don't claim it's aliens, but they just say that there is something out there and that this thing, these things that are out there are no threat to the American people. So that's good. (laughs) But okay. Like the fact, the fact that they're willing to go that far and like say that and like release these things, like they're out there. Aliens exist. You know what I mean? There like, wasn't it wasn't even just documents. Have you seen the videos? They declassified videos. No, I haven't seen those. But they You of... haven't seen those? No. Allison, what are you doing? Are you that uninterested in aliens? They declassified videos from like Air Force people, like out in the sky, taking videos of other freaking things in the sky that are behaving in ways that they should not. And I cannot believe you haven't seen this. But that's what we were talking about earlier. And they said that, what'd they say? Um, what that it's not a threat? No, that they were because those people. Let's see. Were they saying it was like our own stuff? Yeah, that yeah, because we just talked about this that in the fifties, like stuff from the fifties and stuff from the sixties, they were saying that some of their like aerial events and when they were flying these planes and and stuff like that some navy people saw it on a boat and that they could have explained away that those were just rumors that it reflected the you know it reflected a piece of the wing and it looked like something was flying and acting weird but it really were these people test testing these okay but this stuff wasn't from then they have videos from people like recently people in the air force being in the sky and seeing other aircraft with them like those are some of the declassified videos that they released were like aircraft that I mean, as far as I know, are unidentified, and they were taken by the military. Let's see. 
Let's see here. I'm looking up right now. Oh, you can look it up right now. We should post videos that we find for for this. June because I've seen stuff. Let's see. UFO report June 4th. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is that people now have a baby camera with them all the time. I know. So there have been videos of UFOs significantly more than there were before because everybody has a camera with them. So, like, some of that stuff is military, I am sure, just things being tested and whatnot. But there have been things taken by the military that have been, like, unexplainable. Maybe it's other other militaries or whatever. But I don't know. There's definitely things out in the sky to be seen. Yeah, I'm trying to see. It looks like more things are coming out soon. Um, well, it sounds yeah. like in a couple of days they're going to well, release more, which is crazy. Well, I guess they said that, I guess, like, some of the previews of what they've seen is um, reports of encounters with multiple crafts, some of which swarmed U.S. Navy warships as recently as 2019 off the coast of California. <gasps> we should talk to Vic. <laughs> yeah, we should. See, See what he knows. Anything. I don't know if anybody can say anything. That's that's the other thing. I feel like everything's very secret, and I would never want to pressure anybody in their jobs. Yeah, well, to no, say they, something, but yeah. they straight up couldn't tell us anything. Yeah, and that would be acceptable. I would accept that as a non-answer, whatever. But I bet yeah. he's seen some stuff. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet I bet there's a lot of people out there in the world that have seen things that they can't, you know, yeah, say anything about. But right. anybody that has things on video that can say stuff. Yeah. And this men in black thing, I feel like I've heard a lot of people say that people have come to their doors after experiencing something. And, like, men in black come to their doors or whatever. Well, yeah. And that's a whole thing in, like, the Mothman. Like, the It is. Yeah. So, yeah. I feel like the truth is out there. The truth is out there. And we're going to find it. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. <laughs> we're patient. We've got some June, years on us. June 25th. <laughs> Things no are more. coming out. <laughs> Let's proceed from there. So this will be something that we will, you know, update as things come in. And I'm sure that, like, it'll be a continual thing. We want to know if you out there, the listeners, have had any experiences with aliens, UFOs. Get on Discord. Yeah, Discord. Yeah, get on Discord. So we probably will have to be posting a new link to that soon. Uh, because the old one's probably expired. So if you are not on Discord and you want to be to join the conversation, shoot us a me message on our Instagram and we can provide that link to you because you can put pictures on there. You can, I mean, we could just be, we could be talking and figuring this shit out. So yeah, I'll be watching. We'll yeah. comment. 
so just to um just to cite some of the sources uh wiki um atlas obscura love that website just go on there and just look around it's amazing what you can find um vox.com pvtimes.com bbc and washington post so so i hope that this is what mr elias wanted mr elias i'm talking to you hopefully uh you know this is um is what you wanted i didn't I, I wish I could have found more things and I'm sure that more things will be coming to light that we can discuss in the future. But, uh, but yeah, everybody, I'd, I'd be curious to know what, what your stance is on this. What's your alien look like? Um, you know, what, what do you think's going on out there? So Rachel, I appreciate you as always coming mm-hmm. in and, and filling in for Jordo. And you got anything else to say to these beautiful people? I don't think so. The truth is out there. Let's the find it together. Let's we share will. it. We will. <laughs> All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And uh, be sure to call a buddy and tell a friend and uh, tell tell them about our podcast. Because, <laughs> like the gun uh, show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, tell us. We we always need more people, and more people means more conversation and figuring out more things. So we hope you all have a good week, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.